The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pilled, your favorite mostly hinged conspiracy podcast. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Abby Libby. How are you doing, Abby? Hey, I'm, I'm good. Nothing nothing much going on tonight. Nothing big going on. We got a, a guest here tonight from a very small publication you guys might have heard of called the Babylon Beats. Seth, how's it going, man? Good. Good. Feeling mostly hinged today. Mostly, mostly hinged. hinged. I like Love it. Love it. So, yeah, we've got some hard-hitting <laughs> questions to ask you. Um, yeah. Appreciate you coming here, by the way. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. it's it was very brave of you to come here and and submit to this questioning. So we appreciate it. <laughs> I yeah, don't I know what to expect. So I don't know if it required bravery or not. It's all uncertainty for me. Um, yeah, well, you've been before Congress, but this is going to be a little bit worse. A little bit worse. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So. yeah, and I don't. I think we should just jump right in to to the questions. If you're I, if you're sure you're ready. I got a few things real quick I want no. to say. So first of all, <laughs> shout out to our local. Yeah, well, anyway, we don't listen to what Abby has to say. First of all, shout out to all the people who come over and support us on Locals. We got a few new local subscribers since last week. We have Grace, Gracie Lou and Keith, or D. Keith S. Thank you guys for supporting us. If you guys want to get bonus unhinged content, uh, come over to locals or conspiracypill.locals.com. And you can also go to rockfin.com. That's R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash conspiracy pilled. And that way you got you get not only us, but about 250 to 300 plus other creators, including yeah. Paul Joseph Watson, uh, Owen Benjamin, lots of lots of different people, Conspiracy Social Club uh, for one $15 a month price. So it's like a Netflix subscription if you guys want to support us that way. Uh, but yeah, with that out of the way, what do you what's our first question for Seth, yeah. Abby? Yeah. Okay, I need to know, is it true? That the Babylon Bee is not actually headquartered in Babylon. <laughs> um, you know, we do have a satellite office there, so I wouldn't say headquartered. Oh. Okay. Um, it's funny, in a, an early version of our uh, our email drip campaign that we used to send out to people that got on our email list, I, I encouraged people to, you know, if they couldn't reach Kyle, to like go knock on his door and pitch your headlines to him right at his house. And I, I linked to his address and it linked directly to Babylon on the map. So um, we've made jokes about that in the past, but no, we are not actually headquartered in ba- Babylon. I'm, I'm headquartered I'm right here in Jupiter. Um, we, and so we have an office in California. You're saying you have lied and misled everybody for years. Uh, it's kind of what we do, Abby. It's kind of what we do, isn't it? Um, <laughs> We traffic in misinformation under the guise of satire. If we weren't misinforming you, we wouldn't be doing our job. So true. That's fact. You did say California is where one of your offices is, though. So that's pretty close. It's pretty close, right? I mean, it's not that far. Yeah, off. yeah. It's uh, in the belly of the beast. That's for sure. Which, yeah. which kind of works out, honestly. I, for the longest time, you know, I, I wanted to get everybody out of there and say, hey, you know, don't you want to come to Florida? Don't you want to leave California? And a lot of them didn't want to. Um, for various reasons, you know, California is a beautiful place to live, but there's also this, like, there's also something inspirational about being near all the madness and having it impacting your life that creatively drives. <laughs> um, it's better. It's better to experience it firsthand and then satirize it than to just read about it in the news. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. So uh, I think it's kind of creative fuel for for some of our writers and 
and uh, and editors. So I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't live in California. I like visiting there. <laughs> All so right. what you're saying is instead of reading, I've never even been to Babylon personally. Yeah. So what you're saying is instead of reading headlines and coming up with satire that way, they just open an office window and just look outside for 20 minutes or so and come up with some headlines that way. Yeah. Just go walk around in the real world, walk the streets of San Francisco, then go bang out some headlines. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, we have another apocalypse is upon us out there. Oh, <laughs> okay. Actually that, that reminds me of another question I wanted to ask you. Um, because we often, you know, like I'm sure you guys have made the joke. I just made the joke a second ago about Babylon being California, kind of being the same thing. And we've been doing a lot of revelation streams, kind of reading through it. The way we've been doing it is we just read through it and we haven't really brought on guests to talk about it yet, but we're just doing the let's read through it, see what we think, and then continue to ask people and study and kind of try to understand uh, this book in the Bible that says if, you know, you're blessed if you, if you read this and share it with other people. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that comes up is, you know, is Babylon America in the end times that, that it talks about in Revelation? And I kind of think that that's like a, a really westernized idea that maybe is not, I don't know, I was curious to think what you, what your, or to hear what your thoughts were on that. Uh, I mean, as a general rule, um, I don't try to be real dogmatic when it comes to like end times prophecies and right. eschatology and a lot of those discussions, you know, there's, there's various interpretations of these things. And, and um, I think people get themselves into traps when they try to say, oh, this is definitely representing X or this is definitely representing Y. Well, then if it turns out that you're wrong, then you look like a fool and, it, and, and you actually make the Bible look bad because you're, mm-hmm. you're misinterpreting what it's saying and, and, and guessing at the wrong thing. So I don't know. I hold all that stuff kind of loosely and try yeah. not to be too dogmatic with it. Um, <clears throat> but what, what specifically you were talking about Babylon? What about Babylon? So, like for instance, we've um, we did an episode about uh, Rob Skiba's work when he was talking about things like the Nephilim and and his his book specifically is called "The First Will Be Last," and his kind of idea is that Babylon is not this Westernized conception that it's it's America and it has to be America that just the original Babylon will like reemerge in the end times and stuff like that. Maybe that's kind of a loaded question. I don't know, but we often hear that like you know. Babylon in the end times has to be America. And I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that it, that it is, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, as far as like, as far as what we're trying to communicate with that name, it's a, it's a common question that people ask is like, why did we call the Babylon B the Babylon B? And, um, and there is at least a sense in which whether, whether that, whether that's what actually referring to America or not, I think <clears throat> there is a sense in which at least we're, right. we're living in, um, at the very least, cultural exile right now, and, right. and it's like Christians are are um, are in fact ostracized and marginalized in the ways that a lot of times the left claims to be, um, and so we're kind of on the ropes and in a defensive posture, and um, and our our views and values aren't accepted, and so the dispatches we're writing from a state of exile are what make up the Babylon Bee as a publication, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of the idea behind the name. Uh, mm-hmm. without speaking to the prophecies specifically. Speaking of, of bees, I think we have another question. Yeah, so <clears throat> a, this is a very important one we had to ask you. Is it true that the Babylon Bee doesn't actually employ any bees, but you're just appropriating <laughs> bee culture? I think it's probably fair to say that, yes, we are totally appropriating bee culture. We use their, we use their likeness, their color scheme. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no bees currently on my staff that are paid anyway. Wow. So you just use unpaid bee slave labor. <laughs> it would go with the Interns. whole Babylon thing. It's called yeah, internships. Sure. It's called internships. Right. Slave labor. Come on. <laughs> right. You know, I wanted to quickly say something. We we um talked about uh, doing a prayer at the beginning of the stream, and then we got oh, excited yeah. and kind of jumped past that. Would you mind if we just prayed over the stream before we continue? No, not at all. All right. So, dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you for uh, Seth Dillon being able to join us. And we just uh, pray for your guidance and your direction, your wisdom and everything that we say and do. And thank you so much for the wonderful people who show up uh, and support us. Um, and uh, just pray that everything we say and do is is bringing people closer to you and, and shining your light in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So. Amen. Amen. And a woman. A And a woman. <laughs> Praying at this time in the evening is reminding me of food, and now you're you're just going to make me just hungry. made you really no. hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like a triggering event. 
<laughs> I'm still to the point where food is is grossing me out. I've been, uh, you guys know this, but I've been in bed the last two days, like with the, <laughs> with the flu. So every time that my wife makes food, I'm just like, it's just disgusting to me still. So I've yeah. not, I've not eaten really much. Everybody who watches this stream is probably going to get it. So you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They'll get infected by something else. Um, yeah, yeah. So my wife would love that. Uh, she would love to catch this because she's always talking about when someone is like saying they don't have an appetite or something, they can't eat because they're sick. She's like, will you give it to me? Give it to me. <laughs> I want to lose 10 pounds real quick. She should not lose any weight. <laughs> She's so, so tiny. But then if she did, it would give her freedom to eat again really freely until well, she gained okay. it back. <laughs> that's really what I, that's why I went around and was like, you know, licking doorknobs and stuff so I could just lose that 10 pounds. So just ended, ended up getting it at the worst time. But yeah. Uh, yeah. What are your, uh, I'll ask you guys a question. What are your thoughts on oh. these like miracle weight loss drugs that they're like, touting right now this Ozempic? Like, I'm just I'm just disappointed that as a conspiracy show we don't have a um, sponsor of some type of miracle drug or some type of <laughs> <laughs> hey, I feel like we need to push colloidal silver on people well they've been we so did, far they've been like yeah. off label and now they're mm -hmm. like actually creating these drugs to be like FDA approved for this specific yeah. purpose and they're expecting it to generate billions of dollars mm -hmm. in revenue it's going to like radically change the, and I wonder like, is that a good solution to our obesity? We do have an obesity no. problem. Yeah. Is that a, is that the right solution to it? I don't know. I mean, it's probably better so, than everybody being fat, but like morbidly obese, but I don't know. Well, I heard the Ozempic one, which is the one was the, I think is the one that most people have been using is, is generally a, a diabetes drug. So yeah. it's, one, the supply is being cut off for people who actually need it. And two, it's the minute you stop taking it, uh, you just gain double back. It's not a solution. It's just a, a band-aid. Cheap. Yeah. I have a feeling like it's a solution to weight loss the same way that porn is a solution to relationships. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's probably, probably not good. Probably better to just get outside and do some exercise once in a while. <laughs> Lift weights. Yeah. Eat less. Eat less. Catch it, catch work out more. Illness that kills your appetite. Catching illness. Yeah. <laughs> Lick all the doorknobs at, at Walmart until you, you know, throw yeah. up for two days Why straight. Why take a drug when you could just lick doorknobs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question: Is it true that Dan Dillon? <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole question. <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> it is. It's it's true. I knew it. I knew it. Oh my god. Okay. So you actually you actually had me waiting there for the rest of the question for a second. I was like, did the audio just cut out? Yeah. Um yeah, so Dan is is what? Co-owner and runs not the bee? Dan is um yeah, he owns um uh both the bee and not the bee, at least a piece of both of them mm -hmm. and is and is uh chief technology officer for both of them. So Adam Ford, who was running the B before I took over, is now kind of running the day-to-day -day operation of the site uh, in the content side. And then Dan is running the back end, the social network, all the technology, the development team, and all of that. So he spends a good amount of time on the B too, though. So he's kind of working on both day-to-day, -day, depending on where, where he's needed. But yeah. Do you know why he wrote the calendar in Arabic? <laughs> no. In fact, he and I don't, don't communicate about a lot of these. He does all this stuff completely like in his own world, like rolling huh. things. I, I experience and find out new features and, and things that he's rolled out as the rest of the users on the platform do. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not like I'm involved in these uh, backdoor meetings where we're discussing these things and, and planning them. Yeah. Well, so I, I think, think he's, he's going to come on in a month or so and we're going to demand to know why he wrote it in Arabic. We're going to get answers, you guys. You I think should, you kind yeah, of you answered our. I think you kind of answered our next question, which is one that I, it's a conspiracy theory that I put out a long time ago, and I think you just confirmed it. Is it true that the B is not the B, and that not the B actually is the B? So to be or not the B, that is the question. Um, it's probably true, at least in the sense that uh, reality and satire are becoming so indistinguishable that in our in our B articles are coming true so often they're basically you know it's, it starts as a B headline it becomes a not the B headline um, it's true in that sense anyway yeah but 
uh, in the nonsensical um, uh, way that you framed the question. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> it's funny because we've used not the B for like every we've used it so much for the stuff that we've done over the last year, like different podcasts we've done and been on. It's like there's one time I don't know. We were, we were going to cancel a show we were doing as a different podcast and last minute, we're like, oh, okay, I guess we can all make it. And we needed some headlines to talk about. So we, <laughs> Abby made fun of me for this. But I just pulled up Not the Bee and grabbed like 10 headlines. Like, this will cover two hours of, of content. Like, are we just reading the website? <laughs> like, yeah. The well, it's, but legitimately, it has become my favorite place to go for news because it covers so much of everything. It covers the conspiracy stuff. It covers the strangeness and weirdness. It covers all the leftist insanity. Um yeah, and, well, that's good. I, I appreciate you saying that. It's um, They're doing a pretty good job with it. If you yeah. have suggestions for other stuff that we should cover that we're missing, you know, you see stuff that is like slipping through, mm. we'll, we'll take the feedback. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the one thing that probably do worries out faster. Sometimes we're a little bit behind the curve. You know, these stories will break and they'll, and they'll start getting traction. And then, you know, a couple hours later, it ends up on the site. Um that's not always the case. Sometimes we're we're right on top of it, but mm. um, it's it it definitely gives you a, a picture into the madness of the age because it's that's exactly what it's focused on is just finding these things that are just outrageous and should be satire, but somehow aren't. Mm-hmm. And because you're you're reporting on all these weird things, I think you've really moved the Overton window on weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, why why do you say we've moved it? That. So often I think that some someplace like Fox isn't going to run a story outside of their brand. So if it's too weird, they're just not going to do it. Um, or, or the Daily Wire. They'll, they're, they'll do a certain type of story and kind of leave out the more absurd, ridiculous things that you would have trouble, you would question, is this actually real? And with Not the Bee, I think that more and more people are realizing, oh, these things are happening all the time. And it's really shifted that window over. Yeah. So that other people cover it too. You mean? Yeah. 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 It, yeah, it, it, about it. The case. yeah. it reminds me of a, a certain concept that we talk about a lot in, in the conspiracy stuff is this idea of controlled opposition where it's like, there are stories out there that would be so like if Fox news is this completely right wing thing that we're constantly told that it is, there's so many stories that would absolutely be beneficial for them to, to not just cover, but to like really hound, you know, really go after for for months and weeks or whatever and just keep the keep the spotlight on certain things and they just don't <clears throat> very often. I was wondering what your your thought was on on places like Fox, especially with the firing of Tucker Carlson lately is is a little bit more what you would consider controlled oppositions or another better way to put that. Uh I don't know that controlled opposition is the right way to describe it. Um and with it with the example of of Fox specifically. Right. But you know, these a, a lot of these organizations they have um, they have a lot of things that they're taking into consideration. They have their own motivations for doing some of the things that they're doing. I don't think that the organization from the top down is operating from a place of uh, uh, goodwill, where they're just thinking to themselves each and every day, "How can we best serve the public by getting to the bottom of things, by exposing mm-hmm. the truth, by you know tearing down false narratives and and uh, and keeping people as informed as possible. There are so many other motivating factors going into what they decide to cover, what they what they decide not to cover, um, for whatever reasons. And so, you know, it's not necessarily in everyone's best interest. I think one of the things that was so refreshing about Tucker on on well, there's a couple of things. I mean, one of the things I I love about him the most, and I commented about this, um, is that he he laughs in the face of absurdity. Mm-hmm. He actually like mocks it ruthlessly. He ridicules it. He throws his head back and has this like wild cackle that he does. <laughs> that's just it, the laugh itself is funny. A lot of people are annoyed by it. Like I just can't listen to the man laugh. But I think it's the best thing about him is the way that he, the way that he completely undermines the opposition by mocking mm-hmm. them and laughing at them. It was one of the it was one of the best things about him, to be honest, because it it took the wind out of the sails of the other person by just making them look stupid without him even having to say anything. Um, and a lot of the things that he's addressing with mockery and laughter deserve it. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we tend to sit there across the table from somebody uh, 
having a serious conversation about the most insane and ridiculous things. Like as a nation, we're having this like debate right now about what a woman is and whether men can right. get pregnant. And yeah. like people are having, having straight face, serious like <laughs> debates and discussions about these things when the <clears throat> appropriate response is to throw back your head and laugh like Tucker Carlson, yeah. because yeah. that's stupid. I've been, and <clears throat> oh, he's so great at that. Well, I just want to make the other point too, that, uh, what was the other point I was talking about Fox? Um, uh, oh, the things that I appreciate about Tucker. Tucker was also willing to go places that a lot of other people didn't want to go. Some of these uncomfortable subjects, some of these things that he, he touched on and would, would address on his show. I always wondered, like, did he get approval from the top before he went and did this? <laughs> or is he like, or is he going to get reprimanded after he does this? You know, like he, he kind of pushed it with those things. And, um, and, and you could tell that that was coming from a place of, for one insight, you know, he's got kind of in, he's got a lot of insight into the inner workings of things, the motivations, um, the real problems, the real threats that we're facing, cutting through the noise and, 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 and taking our attention away from the, the stupid debates that we have that are meaningless and getting to the heart of a real issue that we actually need to address. He's very, he was excellent at that and isolating those things that no, he was, it wasn't newsworthy or what people were talking about until Tucker talked about it on his monologue. And then it became a story. So he was kind yeah. of leading the, the news cycle that way with what he chose to talk about and what he chose to make an issue. So he's, he was definitely the most impactful person in media. Uh, why Fox would part ways with him, you know, there's got to be some, there's got to yeah. be some reason there behind the scenes that we don't have insight into that isn't necessarily a good reason. Could be. Yeah. I also wonder if it kind of confirms that he was more of the Norm MacDonald of, of Fox News where he was not getting that approval, like you said, and going out there and saying these stories. And they're like, probably like, okay, it's hard. We're in this hard place where he's not, you know, he's doing stuff. We don't want him to say in the things that we don't want him to say, but also he's the biggest part of our network. Um, I kind of just get the feeling like that was what eventually the math just didn't work out for them to keep him. Um, with the the stuff that he was saying, but uh, you you also said that he would go and just laugh at the absurdity of stuff instead of having these ridiculous drawn out conversations of well here's the scientific explanation of why a man is not a woman and all these things. I would yeah, just say a, we need let's more have an academic conversation yeah. about sex and gender and whether there's two sexes or whatever. It's like no, there's men and women. Everybody knows that. Why everybody knows like, it? Yeah, it's the stupidest thing in the world that we're actually having a serious conversation about this. You're a joke. Get off the mm -hmm. stage. Like this is stupid. Well, why but, would I entertain these? And that's kind of the attitude, the kind of flippant, sarcastic uh, mockery that he brought to to some of these discussions, which was which was much, very needed and, and refreshing. Like yeah. I, I I was making the point in defense of Matt Walsh the other day, you know, because people call him and they call me and they call Tucker mean and cruel for having that kind of attitude that that is willing to like mock and ridicule bad ideas, mm -hmm. but. You know, when society's sick because it's been infected by bad ideas, mockery is medicine. Mockery is a treatment for that. You know, it's it's an antidote. This is this is why I always say I think we need more Chad yes meme instead of all these like lo long explanations. Like, do you really think this or is this really? You know, and people are coming to these conversations as if the other side has any valid points at all. And I think you're losing the debate entirely when you when you actually give them any merit or credit to to their weird ideas and just being like, yes. Do you believe this? Yes. Or do you believe this? No. And just like leaving it there. Yeah. I, there, I mean, I think there's truth to that. I think there's also, there is a place for both the refutation and the ridicule. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that it needs to just all be ridicule because then what it looks like is you're avoiding the argument and maybe engaging in some kind of ad hominem and it's fallacious yeah. and you don't actually have anything of substance to say. I think it is important <laughs> to have both. And that's why I like, I love and appreciate guys like um, uh, Ryan Anderson, for example. Who's, who's written on these topics. He wrote When Harry Became Sally. And, right. uh, yeah. um, you know, so he's he's dealt with some of these things. Uh, Chris Rufo is another good one. He's very academic. Um, you know, some of these guys get really into uh, more of a scholarly mind frame in approaching these things, which uh, is, is necessary on one level because I think you need both the ridicule and the refutation. Mm -hmm. But, but in, in terms of like, do you legitimize it somewhat by having that conversation? Yeah, I think you do. I think I think it's one of the reasons why I, I tell people to refuse to use preferred pronouns because the minute you start using preferred pronouns, you're using the language of the ideology that you're arguing against. You're affirming it while denying it. So you're under you're right. undercutting yourself. It's self defeating. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think there's definitely a sense in which the seriousness is is uh, is harmful to your own case. 
Right. It's just like even saying cisgender at all instead of just being like this is this whole term is retarded. Right. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not transphobic. <clears throat> yes, I'm transphobic. Like it's, it's <laughs> the word they made up to talk about what I am. So Yeah. I have a question for you. Is it true that your writers are not actually satirists, but are time travelers and in fact are the same time travelers that wrote for The Simpsons? Yes. See, I we got it. Chad yes meme. He there. admits it. <laughs> he admits it. <laughs> We've talked about could this you, a lot. Could you oh, imagine having the ability to time travel and the thing that you do with it is to go back <laughs> <laughs> to go back and make jokes. Um base. Well, okay, maybe you guys have touched on this, maybe you haven't, I'm not sure. Uh what do you do with like an ethical dilemma like is it if you can go back and kill baby Hitler terminator style? Um is that the ethical thing to do because of all of the all of the death and destruction you would prevent? But but you have to murder a child to do it. Go. Doesn't this is that question. depend on whether or not you believe that a person is always going to be a certain way, or if they are defined by their by their environment? So the other solution, I guess, is to take baby Hitler and put him in the evil baby orphanage. And then, so you don't have to kill him, but you just raise him in a different scenario. Yeah. I mean, it could also depend on whether you have like a, uh, whether you operate from a moral framework that says that things that are wrong, things that you know are wrong, that you're commanded not to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a deontological framework where God is the one issuing moral commands and it's wrong to kill. It's wrong to murder somebody. It's not wrong to kill somebody if it's in self-defense, but it's wrong to murder somebody who hasn't done anything yet. Um, then it would still be wrong even to kill Hitler on a view like that. And you'd have right. to say, well, even, even if it has some kind of great outcome down the road, it's wrong and I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could. I, could I, I took this in a drastically different direction. Than you I think you're just trying to avoid the question. If if you guys actually are time travelers, <laughs> he said yes. What more do you want from him? I think what he really he wants yes. is to talk about Calvinism, which I like. Uh, I think what do. he's trying to say is yes, we're time travelers, and we did have the ability to kill Hitler and didn't. And I need you guys to rationalize this. I want I want to get off the hook for not killing baby Hitler that's when I could I have because I had the technology to send people back in time. If if that's yeah, that's, that's he wants to believe that, you that going me. back you in time me. to make a satire site is better than going back in time to kill baby Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe we're on a moral mission, but yeah, that that would be hard to we actually to sort out. We actually did a, a one of our bonus episodes, an unhinged episode with uh, Real Truth Cactus, um, Jess Holmes, and it was all about the the Simpsons time traveler conspiracy thing. And it was funny because I actually brought up the Babylon Bee as a perfect example of if you guys have enough, if you are paying enough attention to what's going on and you're really good at satir- satirizing it, uh, you can be like the Babylon Bee who's got, what, 100 plus headlines that came true at this point. What Do you guys have a count on that? Like, how big is it at this point? It's 90 something. It's, yeah, it's in a spreadsheet somewhere. I think it's like 92. We're close to 100. Nice. nice. That's what yeah, that's just a matter of, I mean, we've written thousands of jokes. So, you know, it's not like every other one is coming true. Um, because a lot of them are just absurd. They'd never come true. CNN would never actually spin the news in a washing machine. <laughs> but um, okay, okay. Hang on, though. Because we all know that if they bother fact-checking it, it's because it's true. So plot twist, they did actually have an industrial-sized washing machine to spin the news. And they don't want you to know about from it. From that premise, then, yes, you could reach that conclusion. I some, guess, of yeah. their, some of their headlines, I almost wonder if they actually did just put a bunch of... Uh, you know, like those magnetic letters that you put on your fridge into a washing machine, spin it and see what comes out the other side. Just go with that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, I, it's it's often, uh, I think it's a, a a validation of the work that we're doing. It's a validation of the of the satire that that it does in fact come true. Because this is one of the things. It's it's funny. I, I just I read these things with amusement when I when I look at some of the criticisms of the Babylon Bee over the years. There've been articles written about us. There was one in Slate. Uh, probably two, maybe three years ago. I don't know. And, um, you know, what he was saying was that the bee is different than the onion because the onion writes their satire on the back of the truth. They're tapped into mm-hmm. what's really happening in the real world. And that's why their jokes are funny is because they're rooted in reality. And they're obviously they're not true, but they're, they're truth-based. 
And the B, by contrast, has this uh, wildly false and misleading right-wing narrative that is the base. (laughs) It taps into that, and it does satire on the back of a narrative, and that's why it's not funny. Mm. Right. And I read that, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I mean, then how do you explain all these jokes that are coming true? Because obviously we're tapped into the reality if reality is catching up to us in a matter of hours, days, or weeks, right? right? There was some truth to that joke if it actually did happen. Like we were we were onto something there. And, I, and then I see millions of examples on the Onions website where it's just like I see a joke and I'm like, that's not funny because it's not true. It's not – that is completely narrative-based. It has nothing to do with the truth. So – it's just one more example of projection. There's so much yeah. projection that happens from that side. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's guilty of it to some extent. We're all guilty of some confirmation bias. We all project at some point. But um, just to see it that blatant like that, it's like, you know, of course, the B is not going to be funny to someone who doesn't share our worldview and, and, and rejects reality as being a narrative and prefers a narrative in place of reality. Of course, it's not going to be funny to those people. There are three articles that you've written that you don't know are true yet, and we're gonna we're gonna tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> if you want to pull those up. Yeah, I got them really quick. I want to say we are going to be shutting off YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, all those other places that we're streaming to. So if you guys want to catch the rest of the show, go over to uh, Rumble or over to Odyssey. We're gonna stream the rest of this. Uh, I'll drop those things in the chat for you guys really quick. But yeah, we're just gonna be shutting it off in the next few minutes. So all right, because, which one do you want me to bring up first? Oh. Um, the first one. I don't care. Okay, I got this. I don't want to spoil it. There we go. Yeah, this one came out today. Nashville shooter manifesto placed in secure crate alongside motive for Vegas shooting. Epstein client list. Ark of the Covenant. This is an obviously true headline. <laughs> it it is it is certainly being withheld, uh, mm. along mm. with other things that are being withheld. So there is truth to it. Sure. Uh, is it actually in a crate that says top secret somewhere in a warehouse, <laughs> an expansive warehouse that um, you know only a handful of people know where it exists or what's in it? Maybe not, but yeah, there is truth to this. Truth to all of them except the Ark of the Covenant. That's that's the <laughs> sorry. We just we just did an episode on that, and there's up actually in the last few months there have been a lot of speculation that Israel Israel themselves in their Temple Institute has been saying we know where it's at and it's going to be unveiled. So I don't know. But the rest of it, the rest of it, to- totally true. I think it's in a warehouse marked top secret, the whole deal. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Got. That's the best of the Indiana Jones movies, which is the, I, the Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the best of them. I just rewatched them. I asked that question on my Twitter last week, and I rewatched all of them with my kids. And I was like, as a kid, I thought it was The Last Crusade. And then I rewatched them all, and I'm like, nope, it is Ark of the Covenant. That's the best one. Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or Raiders of the Lost yeah, Ark. People. Sorry. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I'm no, still it, not. I, saw, at 100%. I thought the same thing when I saw <laughs> when I saw uh, the Last Crusade as a as a kid in the theater. It was like my the favorite movie ever. instantly. Yeah. yeah, it was the greatest movie ever. Um, but I changed my mind on that too. I don't know when that was, but probably rewatching it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Next right, this, true. Article. This is my favorite true article you have. Uh, History Channel interviews fringe conspiracy theorist who thinks the pyramids were not built by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a dork. <laughs> what an idiot <laughs> not a serious person next <laughs> <laughs> let's see uh this is this is a good one nasa frantically building real moon for elon to land on <laughs> <laughs> i wonder I if he did, did he engage with this one i don't yes I don't, uh, he did. did he what did he do did he laugh at I, it i think it was like triple cry laugh emojis it was it was a good reaction i'll have to go back and find that because this is exactly the kind of like we have we have a whole team of people working on on headlines that Elon may likely engage with. Um, Is it the same team that writes for AOC? Just trying to get her attention. <laughs> That's AI. That's I was going to say, I thought it was AI that wrote for AOC. <laughs> okay. What's it sad is, is funny the AI... though, there's like, there's certain things, there's certain topics, there's certain angles where you can like, where you know it's way more likely that Elon is going to have an interest in it than yeah. than something else, you know? And you can kind of cater to that. Just, um, just Elon bait headlines. Yeah, and it was funny. <laughs> there was a time when we were... I'm trying to remember if it was before we interviewed him. It was a long time ago when we had him on the podcast, like December of 2021. And at some at some point, we were publishing a bunch of Elon headlines. And I think, I think it was leading up to that, maybe. I don't know. 
because he had started to engage with us a little bit more. And then the, the, the guys got all excited about it and they were going hard for reactions from Elon. I'm like, guys, you can't publish like two Elon Musk headlines a day. It's so desperate. It looks really, really desperate. <laughs> and he's going to get tired of us and stop engaging. Yeah. With can't so be I had, to, I had to actually pick tell me, them girl. to pull back. Pull it yeah. back. <laughs> I have a question Elon, for you from chat. Elon, hi. Yeah. Nice to, <laughs> thanks for joining us. <clears throat> I have a question from the chat for you really quick. Uh, from North Arrow Coffee says, what's Seth's take on satire pronouns in lieu of preferred pronouns? Uh, what would what do we mean by satire pronouns? We're talking about like just making up silly pronouns. Yeah, and that's like the thing is I don't know if there are such things as satire pronouns because I've seen those TikToks of frog slash frog self pronouns and like there's that girl I think it's a girl that does all those you know what I'm talking about like she, yeah. her whole yeah. TikTok persona is like here's how you use these pronouns and they're always more and more ridiculous like clown clown self pronouns yeah and, yeah yeah but like mine are your mom. Right. Yeah, but I think that that would be a. I, I'm not sure that would be Somebody's satire make anymore. It real. Someone's going to ruin it. <laughs> it's just there's so few. This is your this is your problem, right? You can't do satire because everybody else is you so can't, ridiculous. It's hard. Well, when I see those videos, I I have to assume I start with the assumption that it's a joke. This can't be real, <clears throat> and then I work right. from that assumption to <clears throat> proving that it is true before I like talk about it. Right. As if it's real, because if you just jump to this is you, you look like a clown if you start talking about something that was actually a joke or was satire and you're treating it seriously, especially yeah. if you run a satire site, you don't want to get like drawn in by that. I think it's real. Yeah. So I start with with uh, uh, with the assumption that it's a joke always. And then I'm usually usually it turns out to be real and it's not actually a joke. Mm. Um, Did you guys hire but, Dylan Mulvaney? <laughs> Would we hire him? No, no. I did, did you did like it, when I first saw Dylan Mulvaney's first video? It was like day six of being a woman. He's in the short shorts, prancing around talking about butterflies in high mm-hmm. heels in a field. I was like, this is a Babylon B joke. So, right? was that the first time you saw Dylan? That was the first time I ever saw Dylan, was that video? Yeah, it was that video. Yeah, yeah. It was like legitimately I mean, no joke. I thought it was you guys. Yeah, it's yeah. He's like wearing heels in a field. In like a little like a sports bra or something, yeah. and, and short shorts, talking about prancing around. Yeah, trees yeah. love them. Uh, and then there's a bug that like landed on him, and he freaked out and screamed and and ran away from it. And it was so over the top; it had to be a joke. It mm-hmm. had right. to be parody. And now it's like he's the face of every major brand. It's yeah. it's just insane. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know how. I have no idea how you get from. Explain <clears throat> to me how you get from there to where he is now. How is that even possible? How did well, anyone th- t- how did anyone see any of that and take it seriously? If I was on the left, I would have I, I would have thought it was a conservative pranking and satirizing mm-hmm. and making fun of trans <gasps> people. That's what I would have thought the minute I saw that. I would have never taken it seriously. Right. For, for the same reason that that bearded late lady that was with Matt Walsh on Dr. Phil is a super successful person in that sphere i think the more work that you have to do to fall into the narrative and do what you know you're supposed to do for them the more successful they're going to be because the you overcompensate for how difficult it is to buy it it may be true Amy true. Very wise, thoughtful words, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. So um, are you secretly a Calvinist? Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Before we move on to that, because I want to answer that question. Um, (laughs) I still didn't. I'm not sure. I I, I guess when you, the satire satire pronouns, you're talking about like when you make your own mocking Like your slash mom. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I don't even know how, and I've said this to, to people who bring up the pronoun thing. Should we use these pronouns just to be nice? It's like. I don't even know how to use somebody's pro- like there are very few circumstances where you're talking unless you're in a group setting and for whatever reason you're talking about other people in that group while mm-hmm. you're in a group setting then you would use third party third person pronouns well in the presence of the person you're talking about that's like an un- it's it's not a typical situation typically yeah. when you're talking about some we're talking about Dylan right now he's not here right. so like if we were to use his preferred pronouns we'd be using them in his absence Right. right, which is just like that's like that's someone controlling your speech when they're when they're not even around. There's so few opportunities to use somebody's when you're talking to somebody directly. You 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 talk you say you yeah hey, right. you or you say their name. There's not <laughs> even an opportunity to use a third person pronoun. So I don't so, know the whole the pronoun thing <laughs> is so transparently an effort to control 
your yeah. speech and your thought and rig your language to match a made up reality so that it seems more real than it really is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So for example, um, North Arrow Coffee says C O V slash F E F E. So Cove Fifi. Kofifi is a as a <laughs> made up pronoun. So really quick, um, shout out to North Arrow Coffee. If you guys want to get some some really good coffee that is roast order, it's single origin, and fifteen percent of every single sale goes to um, pro life causes. You guys can go to northarrowcoffee.co and use code PJ10. Never never use Abby10. It doesn't work. Hey. Um, and that that way you can support uh, support the babies, save save some babies' lives, and get some great coffee. So what was what was your next question? PJ's Abby? always trying to censor Abby 10 censor my code. <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm telling you, um, it, it Rob hasn't too. fixed it. I don't know what's going on. Seth would use Abby 10. Uh, right, right, Seth. My phone was playing some audio for some reason. Oh. I'm trying to get it to stop. So I'm going to take that I, as a yes. Apologies. I would do what? <laughs> what would I do? You would use code Abby 10 given the opportunity. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. though. See, see, he would use mine. So. All right. Are you secretly a Calvinist? Why would I secretly be a Calvinist? I don't why? know. Why would I do As that? As a psyop. Why would I? Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear, where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words? Why, Abby? Why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't be a Calvinist. I can't. Uh, I don't think I could ever be a Calvinist. I've heard all the reasons to be mm-hmm. one. Uh, I've heard all the arguments and... Um, I don't think they work. They have, they have not convinced me. Calvinists haven't convinced me. Do Arminians exist or are they just straw men built by Calvinists? Cause I've never met one. <laughs> are you being, are you being serious or is that a joke? It's, well, it's, it's mostly, it's half, it's half and half. I think, I don't think I've ever met somebody <clears throat> that was like loudly calling themselves an Arminian, but that's kind of the yeah. feature of being a Calvinist. Well, I, I, so the default thing for a Calvinist to say is that anyone who dis- that anyone who doesn't agree with Calvinism is an Arminian, is what they yeah. would say. And there are people who are uh, not even aware of Calvinism, who are just Christians, who wouldn't call themselves anything. Mm-hmm. They would just say, well, I believe in the Bible. What are you talking about? You know, they they wouldn't put themselves in any category. <clears throat> Calvinists would say they're Arminians, even though they don't call themselves Arminians. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also these other views like Molinism, for example, you know, you've got, you've got other, other labels that people use. Yeah. And then you've got Christians who will say, look, Paul himself expressly said that you shouldn't say that you're of Paul or Apollos. You're, you're a Christian, you're in mm-hmm. Christ. So don't use the labels of men, the names of men to identify yourself. Um, and they would say that we're, we're forbidden from doing that by, the Apostle Paul himself. Yeah. So we shouldn't even adopt those labels. And and I, I sympathize with that view. I don't think that we should really be using these. La- if you're going to use a label to describe um, your views on the extent of the atonement or predestination or, or something like that, I would recommend using a label like, um, uh, I think it's, what's his name? Ronnie Rogers uses uh, extensivism. He calls it biblical extensivism, the, the view that God loves everyone and wants everyone to be saved. Not that everyone will be saved. That's universalism. But mm-hmm. but extensivism, a term like that, doesn't adopt an individual's name. It doesn't elevate a person mm-hmm. um, and and treat them as like the person that you identify with. I, I would, if you're going to pick labels, pick labels like that. Mm-hmm. Extensivism. So talking about Armenians that don't exist, <clears throat> do you think that <laughs> do you think that atheists exist? Like genuine atheists, like people who deep down in their heart and soul do not believe that there is a God? Right. Yeah. Are yeah. you asking that deeper question, like a serious question? I'm I'm, I'm actually asking We're this a serious question. Serious. I have somewhere I want to go with this. <laughs> okay. How dare you? Uh because like there's no, the joke I think, question, I think obviously, that, right? Like I don't yeah. believe an atheist is the joke, but yes, yeah, yeah. God doesn't believe that atheists exist. Yeah, God right. doesn't believe in atheists. Um, I I don't uh, I don't think that it's possible. I think that well, I think that scripture <clears throat> itself is clear that everybody is without excuse because of um, natural revelation. Right. Um, just the fact that you know the heavens declare the glory the glory of God. The principle that that the world itself, the conscience in our in our hearts. Um, there are, there are so many things impressed upon us that communicate God's love for us and his reality mm-hmm. that we have to suppress and deny that on either 
or both a subconscious and conscious level to maintain stridently that God does not exist. Does that right. answer that question? Yeah, it does. And because I've had this this idea for a minute now where I, I don't think that atheists are going to exist at all. Like, I don't think that in the way that you said it, I don't think that atheists really exist, but I don't think anybody too far from now is really even going to go by that label. And here's, there's a few reasons. I don't think it makes any sense for people who are, for instance, like the hardcore secular left that would normally be made up of a lot of atheists when they believe in things like going back to the Dylan Mulvaney thing that you can be born in the wrong body. That's a spiritual belief. That's not a scientific belief. That's, that's beyond that. And going further than that, you know, just, well, that's a good point. Wait, don't, don't leave that yeah, point. Yeah, okay. That's a big one. I mean, when you talk about, yeah, I'm born in the wrong body. Um, it's a spiritual belief. There's, I, well, yeah, there's a, there's a couple things when someone says, well, I'm a, I'm a girl in a boy's body. It's like, well, no, you're not. Because to be a girl <laughs> is to have a girl's body. That's right. what it means to be a girl for one right. thing. That's like literally what the word, the word has no meaning apart from describing your, your reality as a person, which involves your physical manifestation in the world. Mm -hmm. So um, there is, you know, there is obviously room for conversation about souls and what you're like on the inside, like what you're, what, what it, what it is, who you are inhabiting your body. Mm -hmm. But that's not a conversation that an atheist can have, right? That's the point that you're making, right? If you're a, yeah. if you're a naturalist materialist, you're not a spiritual person, then what exactly are you talking about? What is it that's born in the wrong body? What's the, what's this per immaterial person or soul that you're referring to? And how do you account for that? How do you ground that ontologically? Right. Yeah. And then <clears throat> One of the big beliefs that we are coming up against a lot in, in what we do is this. Are you familiar with simulation theory? Mm, so no, basically the idea. GPT it real quick. <laughs> yeah. Basically the idea that we live inside of a simulation like the Matrix, right? Oh, so, well, yeah, I'm familiar with that. I just didn't know it was called simulation theory. Yeah. yeah. So like originally you I've had. I've seen the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, like originally you had the idea of the multiverse being created specifically in order to explain away God, to explain away the, the fact that the, there's so many little things that would make life on earth not possible if they were changed by one yeah, it was, simple it's an little answer degree, to right? the fine tuning of the universe. <clears throat> fine tuning. Thank you. The fine yeah. tuning it was, and even the guy who came up with multiverse said, <clears throat> essentially there's no real science behind this. It's just, this is the only way to explain away a, a creator and now you've got yeah, stuff like... Yeah, but it like, doesn't even work for that either. No, it doesn't. You have to think of, okay, well, if you've got this mechanism, a universe-generating mechanism, doesn't that also have to be fine-tuned? How do you account for the fine-tuning of that? Right. Is there... Then do you go beyond that and say, well, there's a there's a multiverse generator. Okay. Right. Well, does the multiverse generator have to be... Fine? It's just an infinite regress of... You're never getting, you're never getting behind the problem of fine-tuning. Right. So that's being replaced by, by simulation theory, and we're seeing this from all kinds of different angles. Like when we talk about stuff like... Genesis and the flood and the Nephilim. Like you've got Graham Hancock's apocalypse. What's it called? Uh, ancient apocalypse is kind of a big thing Netflix. right now. Yeah. And everybody's talking about this idea that, Hey, all this evidence there is for a worldwide flood and everybody's kind of starting to come to this conclusion, but even they don't want to, to acknowledge the biblical version. They want to go with like a Sumerian version of Anunnaki. They want to have this idea that aliens came down and created life. So you've got simulation theory and all of these other theories that we're seeing become really popular amongst the, the big atheists right now of aliens created us and put us here, but it never answers the unmoved mover. It never goes mm -hmm. far enough. Mm -hmm. Like who created them, who created them. And my point it is, I, it. yeah, it just yeah. pushes it back. So I just don't think that atheism is even going to be a real thing. I think people are just going to pick like, did, were we created by God? Were we created by aliens, scientists? You already have a, a, a weaker version of atheism now than you used to mm -hmm. have. You have like, right. and it's been a long time now. They call it the, the new atheism, um, which are like an early 2000s kind of movement. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not brand new anymore. But um, the atheists that I see and encounter on Twitter and in, and in real life tend to back away from even really uh, trying to defend <clears throat> atheism as yeah. a worldview, as, as an actual like claim that there is no God. They'll, they, and they try to wiggle out of that. And atheists, by the way, didn't used to do this as much as they do it now, mm -hmm. but they've all decided that it's much easier to talk like, call yourself an atheist, ridicule religion, make fun of people who believe in God as if they're stupid and, and uh, childish, 
but then define atheism as mere lack of belief. They'll say, I just lack belief. I don't really, I'm not making a claim. I'm not, I'm not having, I don't have any knowledge on this. I'm just, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and that definition of atheism, which is a, it is one, de- it is one form. Like it's a, it's a type of atheism. A, a cat is an atheist that way. It lacks belief. An infant is an atheist that way. It lacks belief. An adult who has reached conclusions with metaphysical worldview implications as a result of pondering the, the biggest mysteries of the universe is not an atheist in the same sense that a cat or an infant is. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're saying that religion is silly and stupid and ridiculous. Well, how could it be silly and stupid? and How do you know that unless you know that God doesn't exist? The only way to know that religion is stupid is to know that God doesn't exist. But to claim that you merely lack belief means, you, you see, so they're, they're trying to advance something that they're not willing to shoulder the burden of proof mm-hmm. for. Right. And their trick is to just redefine atheism the minute they're pressed to shoulder the burden of proof they fall back on, well, it's just lack of belief. I don't have to defend anything because I just lack belief. And all that is, it's like if, if all atheism means is that there are people who lack belief, then it's not really a position at all. And all they're telling us is some biographical detail about themselves. They might as well say my hair is brown. It's just right. not interesting when it comes to the conversation of whether God actually does exist. I don't believe in, I, I lack belief in, in God. Well, okay, that's, your, that's a personal biographical detail what what does that add to a discussion about whether he actually exists i think right. more and more we're seeing a winnowing where instead of <clears throat> sitting like that saying i lack belief i haven't chosen I, I don't have enough faith or whatever people are outright saying oh yeah i do believe in i do believe in demons that's that's who i prefer yes abortion is a satanic ritual and it's good actually that kind of stuff you're seeing a lot of that Mm-hmm. Well, f- yeah, because for instance, like, you know, a few years ago, even people on the right would be <clears throat> hesitant to say abortion is child sacrifice. And now I see that more people are embracing this and going like, actually, it's not just a joke. Like, this is actually a form of, of child sacrifice to, to demonic gods. And as soon as you see people on the right embracing this, you see the other side going, actually, it is. And we, you know, ba- like, we need to keep our, what was it? The Church of Satan was saying, like, we need to keep this because... It is an actual child right. sacrifice or religious right to Baphomet. So I find that interesting. Like the both are kind of simultaneously happening where people are recognizing what it is, but one side is defending it mm. instead of just saying like, well, that's ridiculous. It's like everybody's kind of saying, well, it is, but it's good. The reason when, when we have, you have so many conversations that have like a moral dimension to them and everyone is trying to vie for their position and argue that, that their views, whether they're political or, or sociocultural or whatever, are better than, uh, in a moral sense, someone else's. Um, you know, you're, you're the, 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 everybody on the right who's, uh, you know, conservative and religious is a bigot. They're a transphobe. They're a Nazi. They're this. They're that. They're mm-hmm. intolerant. All of those accusations are saying you're bad people. You're not good mm-hmm. people. You have, you have a bad outlook that's morally... Um, uh, bankrupt and depraved in some way. And that is something that you can't reconcile with atheism. Mm-hmm. You know, atheism completely undercuts the, the view that an, anything ought to be a certain way. It just simply reduces us to a physical world where things are. You can't get from is <clears throat> to ought. That's mm-hmm. the biggest leap. That, that's the leap that they try to make. Um, and then, of course, they try to skirt out from underneath the burden of proof with the redefinition of atheism. But, mm-hmm. but if you're going to adopt moral views and and argue for moral positions, then you're then you're arguing for a reality that has um, that has a dimension to it, a moral dimension to it that does not fit any naturalistic materialistic framework. It just doesn't have any place there. So yeah. it's it's in a sense, you know, sawing off the branch they're sitting on, or or sitting in God's lap to slap him in the face, as Frank Turek mm-hmm. puts it. Yeah. yeah. All right, I know yeah. you said you can't stick around for too much longer, so we had two more questions we wanted to ask you before we yeah. <clears throat> end this portion of the podcast and then head over to Rumble and Odyssey to chat with all the people that are watching. So yeah. uh, what's the next question? Yeah. Is this, well, before we do that, is, am, mm-hmm. I, am I being uh, too serious and philosophical for your No, for your not liking? at all. Do you want to make all. it lighter? Or are, you having, are you enjoying <laughs> this kind of... Uh, this we are. W- we're going to go back uh, to jokes, but yeah. we don't. <laughs> this is something that we always try to do with our show is we try to hit on the really deep stuff, but still have a good time. So this yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So 
How long? How long have you been hiding the third joke in a vault in your basement? <laughs> I wish I could say for a long time, but um, we were raided by the FBI and they uh-huh. took both of our jokes. And I took a picture of it and I posted it online. I showed that there was just joke one and joke two in a file cabinet. And they took them both. <laughs> There was no third joke. There wasn't a third joke then. There isn't now. It's it's what we're in, it's what we're developing currently. Um, we need more subscribers and more funding <clears> to get it done. I think we'll probably have it by the end of 2024. Um, mm. But it's currently in development. See, I thought we would get a third joke with our eight dollars a month, but that's that's not happening yet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we're All trying right. to think. Of, we're trying to think of a joke worth forty-four billion dollars right now. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> that would be a good. A good third joke. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very serious question for you. This is the one that I think everybody really came here for. Where in the world is Carmen? Carmen San Diego? No. Where where in the world is Carmen? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is is Carmen still alive? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... That's a really good question. Uh, you, you, do you know Carmen from when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, Carmen's for music? sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, like, people, because we, we have people on our podcast all the time, we bring up Carmen, and, and so many people have no idea who Carmen is. You know, there's, there's <laughs> Carmen stuff in the background, or we'll, have, we'll ask questions about Carmen. And it's, I feel like you had to be, a, a, I don't know, a Christian kid in the 90s, 90s to, like, yeah. know who Carmen is. And yeah. it was like, you couldn't not know who Carmen was. Yeah. Like, did he make a lot of money? He had to have back then. Probably, right? yeah. Probably. Right, it was a big deal. Did Carmen crush it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He had to have. He was huge. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't know where he is in the world right now. I don't know. He's not. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite question on the for people who are not familiar with what we're talking about. That's my favorite question on the on the I almost said not to be on the Babylon B podcast is when they ask the people, you know, have you met Carmen or things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So. No, it is. It's a niche question, but if you grew up as a Christian kid in the '90s, it's like, yeah, I watched the Riot music video thing like billion times. They're really awkward questions for someone that you're interviewing that isn't a Christian and that doesn't have like a church (laughs) background, like grew up in the church. Like when we when we asked, uh, you know, we asked Elon Musk whether he's a Calvinist or an Arminian, and (laughs) he's like, like, I'm South African. Yeah, I mean. He's he studied and read a lot, but those aren't those aren't things that really just come up. Those are those are in house discussions. They're in house <laughs> discussions, yeah. and so he's like, "Whoa, I don't know what you're talking about." We're like free will or determinism. We we transitioned into that, and I, his answer was actually really interesting. He said, uh, "He said, my my head says determinism, my heart says free will." Mm. That was interesting. That was good. Okay, I, I remembered another question. Um, is is Sizzler a money laundering front for the B? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it was, we wouldn't mention it so much. I don't think we would talk about mm. it so much. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we would just be giving it away, right? We'd be drawing too much attention to it. We'd, we'd be having people ask that question. Maybe or or you're true. hiding it in plain sight. Yeah. Want so, re- revelation of the method stuff here. If I knew, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Anyway, this show has been brought to you by Sizzler. Sizzler is the home of the affordable steak dinner since 1958. Yeah. Support your local Sizzler. <laughs> when, was last, when was the last time you went to a Sizzler? Never. I've never been life. to one. No? No. I don't, I don't think I've even seen one. Been a long I, time for me. They're, they're like a West Coast thing, right? Mostly? Or, or am I wrong on that? I don't think so. Because I'd been to one when I was a kid, and I never really spent much time on the West Coast. I, I moved everywhere as a kid, so I feel like I should have been to a Sizzler, but I don't think I've ever been to one. I, li- oh, I lived in just... California for a while, too, but yeah, never we been to one. We were too poor for steak. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sizzler steak wasn't too expensive. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I know you had to get going, see your kids to bed, but it's um, it's been fun. That's it? That's all you got for me? I don't know what time well, I mean, we, we, we had going. more, but we didn't want to keep you. You said you want to get home to your kids. If, if you have a couple more, I'm fine. I'm good. Okay. My, my wife isn't blowing up my phone yet. Um, <laughs> so I've got a few more minutes. Okay. Uh, if okay. it's awkward to stay after you've dismissed me. Uh, then no. Well, well, since you begged to stay on, I I'll guess. Tell I you guess. what. <laughs> let's, let's let the I'm chat. I'm enjoying out. myself. This let's is, let this let is the, fun. 
Let's let the chat ask some questions. We're going to end this portion for the audio listeners. So if you guys want to catch the full show, you can go over to Rumble or if you want to get, if you're an audio only listener, you can go to conspiracypill.com or conspiracypill.locals.com. Get the full audio podcast there that includes the extended Rumble section. But we'll end this part here and then we'll keep you on over on Rumble as long as you can stay yeah. and let the chat ask you some questions. So, all right. Thank you guys for listening. And if you are listening to this on audio, uh, catch us next week.